0: Hey crew, this is Mark Hattenmaker coming to you from the Comancheria. Today, let's talk about some lessons we can pick up from history, particularly the history of the Navy SEALs, early proto-Navy SEALs, pre before they were called that. Let's go back to the days of the Frogmen, World War II. And uh, again, this can definitely apply to our day-to-day stuff, but even if uh, you don't train in the everyday, stick around. I think uh, we can still pick up on how to innovate our everyday plants. Uh, Let's start with the definition of the concept of bricolage, B-R-I-C-O-L-A-G-E. And by the way, if uh, you want to prefer a print or text version of this, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes over there. You can take a look at this, where we also have a version of this over the blog, of course. There's always differences between the blog and the podcast. Just the way the wind blows on that. So again, bricolage. The uh, definition is, and I quote, something constructed or created from a diverse range of available things, unquote. Let's let's unmuddy that water a little bit. We find the term being bandied about in art where found objects are used in a creative way. Uh, The term is also used by sociologists and anthropologists who describe how societies and cultures are formed. It's less by a top-down fiat, as in, hey, everybody, we're all going to wear cargo shorts and ball caps and use the fork in our left hands. Then it is a loose amalgamation of elements that gradually cohere and then concretize into, well, I guess this is just how things are. So that's bricklayage. Things kind of fall into place a little bit over time. No real plan to it necessarily. We find the concept in engineering as well, where a problem is presented, a mechanical solution is required, and the perfect tool or ready tool does not exist, nor its constituent parts. So a bit of creativity and tinkering leads to bricolage answers uh, that fit the bill. In uh, engineering, it's also called Rube Goldberg problems. So imagine you're uh, Robinson Crusoe or the Swiss family Robinson stuck on a, a desert island. You're using found objects to create something that you would have been easier to build if you had manufactured pieces. That's bricolage. So again, you might be asking, how does a bricolage apply to combat systems? Well, we'll come back. To that. First, let's talk about the Frogmen, those early days of the Navy SEALs. We're going to go back to World War II, the Pacific Theater of War the uh, shadow of the disastrous Tarawa Atoll invasion looms large. Rear Admiral uh, Richmond Kelly Turner realizes that something different needs to be done on the next island hopping plan of aggression. The next invasion target is uh, Kwajalein, Atoll, in the Marshall Islands. On Tarawa, invasion boats ran aground on coral well offshore, leaving these combat-laden marines to have to wade several hundred yards under heavy fire. Here they are wearing full combat get and gear, uh, heavy clothing. Uh, more Marines were drowned in unseen sinkholes and bombed out craters then were killed by enemy fire during that invasion. I mean, that's ungodly, just simply because the craft did not get close enough. That's bad intel. Admiral Turner needed better intel than is currently provided, so he turns to a tactic recently used for clearing beaches on mainland Europe. Now, the U.S. Navy combat demolition teams, which at the time were called NCDUs, were used for beach clearing. Turner seizes two of these teams, sends them over to Maui for a crash course in hydrographic reconnaissance, mapping, and obstacle removal skills, as you might find on Pacific Islands. These two teams are redesignated as underwater demolition teams. That's UDTs. Okay, sounds like we mighty close to uh, our early Navy SEALs, right? Now, back in Kwajalein, Atoll, the air reconnaissance is showing that the Japanese are working on a seawall of rock uh, set in concrete with hardwood posts projecting seawood to repel Amtrak's and assault bolts. These are actually called abatis, and this has been around in warfare forever. You usually find this in some Native American warfare in the, in the eastern woodlands where, you know, trees are dropped and you, you sharpen the, the branches they're pointing towards with the direction the enemy's going to come from. That way you could have no quick uh, horse assaults from that side. There's too much uh, barriers a chance for impalement. Now, a sea lost reconnaissance is planned with two UDT teams. These are the newly designated uh, ones for the intel. Uh, they're going to be landed, one at high tide and one at low tide. And they're going to map the area and plan where destructive charges would need to be set or what the terrain is like. So maybe they can figure out and then get these, uh, these Marines landed closer and have less men you know, dying before the actual battle begins. At this stage of UDT evolution, these frogman forerunners, these proto-seals, were designated walkers. That is, they were called walkers. That's right, W-A-L-K-E-R-S, walkers, as in really basically being beachcombers. They wore full combat uniforms, that's including boots, uh, so they wouldn't cut their feet on the coral because they were walkers or waiters. Their gear included an inflatable life belt that you might very much see like a little rubber ducky that a kid sits in the little circle the kid sits inside to keep them upright and on the surface, and a lifeline led from each man to tether them to their boat. Again, now this is not knocking these brave men who did this, but I want you to think about it. This is the uniform and these little inner uh, inner tube rings with the tether on. This is a far cry from what we think of when we think of these early days of uh, of a combat uh, soldier there on the shoreline. But this was the plan. The UDT mission statement was to walk or wade shoreline to examine obstacles. Swimming was not a part of the mission protocol for UDTs at this time. By the way, the weapons they carried because they're warriors? one heavy knife. It was either a Marine K-bar or a Navy Mark II. Now, why were they so lightly armed? Again, this was by design. UDTs were considered so valuable they were not designated as combat troops, so they did not give them weaponry because they didn't want them to be tempted to engage in such. Okay, that was the plan. Now, get this. The plan to do better than the catastrophe of Taro was to, was to send poorly armed waiters or beachcombers to walk the beach. These are commando beachcombers, if you will. All right? The best minds sought a solution, and this was the best answer. And you might be thinking, okay, Mark, that's neat, but where's this whole bricolage thing come in? All right, now, two of the – and let's go back make sure we're not really being too hard on the people who planned uh, these UDTs and telling them to walk and wait, all right? Uh, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. We can go, oh, my God, how do they not know? Well, we've had decades now of seeing what, you know, badass, hardcore we think of uh, Navy swimmers and combat swimming and, and SEALs and special forces are. These – People who are training them, putting them there, they're meaning no malice. They're meaning no harm. They're doing the best information and intel at the time, and this is what what they came up with. So it's not to second-guess them. This is just showing how bricolage comes together, how evolution and innovation comes together. All right. Now, back to that time where there, we've got our beach waiters out there. Two of these UDT men were CB Chief Petty Officer Bill Atchison and Ensign Louis F. Lures. They they thought the waiting plan was ludicrous. And they said, hey, this isn't going to work, but, you know, no one's listening to them. So here they are, they're on their landing craft, getting ready to do this little bit of recon. Against regulations and the warnings of their commander told them not to do this, these two men stripped down and dove in to swim the beachhead, all right. These two measured water depths. They pinpointed gun emplacements, studied seawall and the log abatis across the entire uh, tire, uh, stretch. Again, that was the uh, the concrete abutment with the uh, the uh, logs that were cemented into it. They recorded all this on waterproof slates with grease pencils that they had attached to their arms. Their swimming trip lasted an approximate 45 minutes. It took well less time than the men who were having to wade the beach in their full kit. They returned to their landing craft, even the disapproving commander was impressed by the intelligence gathered and rushed these men directly to admiral turner's flagship so using these two rogue swimmers information and that's the historical record the military record calling the rogue swimmers turner to his credit, altered tactics immediately for the next landing. He used Amtrak's with heavy treads and shallow drafts uh, instead of using LCVPs, which are landing craft vehicles personnel to better roll over these uh, coral obstructions. So what these two rogue swimmers did, they really, really helped this. The invasion was successful. Casualties were a fraction of what they were at Tarawa. Far, far, and very importantly, far less were, you know, I guess, you would uh, be killed in the drowning. These two so-called rogue swimmers bucked their intensive training, and forever changed how do UDTs were utilized. And now get this, 19 days after the rogue swimmers' bricolage at Kwajalein, UD teams then started swimming with goggles at uh, the next island hopping aggression, which was uh, Iniwatok. I'm probably mispronouncing that. And they reported obstacles. So I want you to think about, from the time that these re- rogue swimmers were uh, they were pulled from uh, uh, Europe, where they had waited over there, they were sent over to Hawaii to train, and then the, uh, they are still going to wait the entire time. They get here to decide to buck the system. They come in with good uh intel immediately the admiral says this is what we need to do and in 19 days the next udt team is already wearing goggles i mean we're not a full-blown full-fledged seals yet that is quick innovation that is quick adaptation upon admiral turner's return to pearl harbor he reported that the only way to deal with coral and underwater obstacles was to was to send swimmers in gone were the day of the walkers We're finally approaching uh, the swimmers now the combat bricolage lessons for us one the best training may not always be right for the job at hand. I mean, no one doubts the thought that was put into the Walker program, but again, only hindsight might let us see the depth of its folly. Now, now let's uh, turn that arrow around here let's pay attention to ourselves i mean it's uh, it's easy to criticize stuff I, mean, I don't care if we're talking political systems or someone else's lifestyle it's far harder to do our own but it's also the most fruitful thing you can do we always need to be looking at our own thing i don't care what anyone else you shouldn't care what anybody else is doing what you need to do is care about what you're doing. So we have to ask ourselves, what high-speed, low-drag, well-intentioned, well-designed aspect of our own training is perhaps as outmoded as a combat walker? I mean, I'm not here to tell you what those are right now. I mean, I obviously know where I put my money up in the black box material because, you know, we, we train it and we test it constantly and adapt where we can with the mindset of these rogue swimmers. But we, uh, how often do you think, maybe do I, I have something that's, uh, that seems great right now that maybe ain't? Uh, number two, lesson two, adapting to circumstances. Edgerson and Laura's, our, our rogue swimmers, both evaluated the situation and ditched not only the protocol, but the given uniform. Bricolage is adapting to the circumstances with what is at hand to provide better results in the smooth plan. I mean, we're talking even getting rid of a uniform here. Now, we got to ask ourselves, what smooth drill that we use right now might be bettered by uh, a shake-up, a reshuffling, or perhaps even a complete discarding? I mean, you've ask yourself times, with uh, this uh, will my Gioni only training present me with the same opportunities outside of the training arena uh, does this eight-step flow drill actually exist in the wild or i mer- merely waiting in heavy surf while wearing weighted and heavy wet clothing I mean these are uncomfortable questions but we have to ask and you know, bar- I mean, test them against reality and then adapt quickly and move Lesson number three, we have to have the courage to adapt. Not only did our two rogue swimmers adapt, we must note how quickly the top brass adapted. A mere night. days after committing an act warned against by an immediate commander, the tactic is wholeheartedly adopted. I mean, that's a ma- that's remarkable. Uh, I have to admit, and, and this is not casting aspersions, whenever the, the birth of U- U- Ultimate Fighting Championship, I mean, we know at UFC now, how many things that I thought were as appeared in certain dojos <clears throat> would go by the wayside, or at least get adapted along the way. Uh, I thought there would be a... a uh, a big title change, a, a big and switch in things. And to some degree, that happened, but I would say that only occurred at about a, a third of things. I doesn't mean it is a qu- complete wipeout of material in some traditional arts, but it does seem like there would be more of a reshuffling and thinking things over. And that did occur for many, but there is a, we have to admit, if we're honest with ourselves, there's a, a large contingent that uh, carried on as usual, as uh, like a combat waiter or a combat walker. Again, the primary lessons of bricolage are examine environments, parse the circumstances, and commit an action plan that is informed by the elements that are present, not those that are readily available in the sterile confines of well-supplied, scrupulously designed, well-intentioned training. All right, No one doubts that these men who designed the waiting program, the walking program, meant well. But we have to admit, sometimes going rogue changes history and saves lives while history is being changed. All right, crew, uh, that's kind of the end of that lesson there. If you want more, I'm going to get the text version of it. I'll send you over. I'll uh, put the link in there. If you actually want to start, you know, putting, you know, you know, meat and gristle and muscle into work on this, please, I highly advocate you take a look at the Black Box training program where it's nothing but historical uh, martial arts, but I'm talking from the Western tradition from the early frontier fighting right up into the pushing on the edge of uh, World War II. Uh, we we bone test this it's mat tempered and tested, and make sure everything's right and get the best we can. And obviously, uh, if you like subscribe and share the podcast and rate and review as man does that sort of thing help anyway take care of yourselves have a good day